What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam, joined with Matt, as always. And we have an NFL champion, Super Bowl winner, the Kansas City Chiefs, out the Philadelphia Eagles, 38-35 in what many people, people I was in attendance with watching the game, people I have spoken to about the game since, said was a great Super Bowl. There was a little bit of everything, some controversial calls, which ultimately ended the game, some amazing plays by both sides. I think that I think I saw a stat today that uh, it was like the highest two QBRs combined in a Super Bowl in Super Bowl history or something like that. Uh, both just really, there was really one mistake that changed the game. Jalen Hurts' fumble uh, that the Chiefs returned for a touchdown ultimately ended up being the difference as well as a very controversial holding call at the end. Um, but perhaps the biggest winner of the day, myself, take it home. The Chiefs win. I got the call right. McFeely got the call right as well. But given the wagering amount, I end up on top. And given our total tiebreaker, I end up on top. Uh, we'll get into that giveaway in a little bit. But Matt, I want to get your initial thoughts on the Super Bowl and uh, you like the Eagles being in the losing position on this podcast recording session. Yeah. Um, and I'll hand it to you. That was, that was, that was a good battle we had there. And I, I give us props for both being on the right side of it at the end there. It's just, you know, you end up beating me in the tiebreaker and you know, good for you. So, but that was a lot of fun. I'm glad that it was close and that it wasn't a wash before the Super Bowl or anything like that. Um, but you're right. That was a great game. I mean, how many Super Bowls can you think of just in your lifetime that were better? I mean, you know, New England and Atlanta comes to mind. New that England was and that Seattle. was my answer. The New, New England, England Seattle, Seattle, New England, that's, Atlanta. That's all I could. Yeah, that's all. That's all I could really that I can remember anyway. Yeah, I mean, even I'm even just thinking about like who, who's been in the past. It's always been like if it wasn't a, if it wasn't a high scoring game where a lot went on, it was like boring but close. And or even there was like that blowout when the Panthers played the, the Broncos. I remember. Uh, where it was just like a boring game, but yeah, this was this had a little bit of everything and a lot of stars on both sides of the ball. It was like it was a very compelling game. I feel like this is, it was a good. Pro- Obviously, the Super Bowl always going to be a good product for the NFL, but for you know, on a day that a lot of casual NFL fans or even non NFL fans watch the sport, it was definitely a good game to watch for even a non NFL fan. Um, what did you think of the halftime show? I liked it, and actually, as a matter of fact, I rewatched it and. I think like, uh, do I think that it was necessarily like the right choice of like uh, genre or I guess maybe that's where I have my gripe with it where it's like when I think, I don't know, I could be wrong here, but when I think of a halftime show, I think of like, I want to get like pumped up for the second half. Like I want like a really cool like guitar solo or really, really upbeat music. Like Rihanna makes amazing music. That's not a slight to her, but like. I don't know. She doesn't give me like, you know, halftime show and anthem vibes. You know what I mean? So she so she shows up to the Super Bowl pregnant. Props to her, by five, the way. five, five hundred feet in the air. And she has to hear. Oh, I don't know. This just isn't this isn't the genre. No, I no. Well, I don't want to say that because because <laughs> I'm not one of those people because I'm giving her flowers. I think for yeah. someone who's, you know, what is this? She said five months pregnant, just had a, a kid recently. Yep. And to do this, you know, that that is a talent that uh, very, very few people in the world have ever had. So props to her. I just have more of an issue with the NFL, I guess, choosing her to be the the person, if that makes sense, or however, well, it, it was, however it was that an process. Upgrade. 
It was an upgrade to you from the Taylor Swift news we got. Oh though, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, that would have been worse. That would have been. It right. would have been insufferable. <laughs> an insufferable watch. I made it yeah. a point to watch Rihanna. I would have made it a point not to watch Taylor Swift. Yeah, whatever. Um, but other than this, I mean, like, if you're the Eagles, right? Like, I- I'm not sure if you've seen like the Kelsey podcast or any of their clips. They yeah. were talking about it, but I mean, if you're All an over. Eagles fan, like, y- this is the definition of coming up the slightest bit short. And it's like, it's got to bode well for a team that, quite frankly, if you're an Eagles fan, you didn't even know if you had your franchise quarterback. And now not only do you have your franchise quarterback and a solid team around him, you're like solidified now. You're going to be expected to be, you know, defend this, the the title of the NFC champions next year. And I don't think anyone's going to put them to any lower standard. Yeah. I mean, and on the other side of the ball, I think we talked all week about like, who's the pressure on the most here? And everyone said Mahomes because, you know, you really don't know how many cracks you're going to get at this. So coming up with that second one's huge. Um, what was your initial feeling when he rolls his ankle there right before the half? See, like, to me, there was no way. I, I actually, the first thing that I thought of was, like, I thought it looked worse than it actually was. And I wasn't even sure if it was the exact ankle, my, like, very, very initial thoughts. But then, I, I you know, as I sat down and was thinking about it, I was like, the it, the Super Bowl halftime is notoriously longer than a regular halftime. And in a regular halftime, he comes back in the third quarter of this game 100% of the time. So he's just going to get more time to rest and more time for treatment. I was like, a lot of people I was with I, I was with were like, oh, my God, the Chiefs are dead. The Chiefs are dead. But I was like, relax. He's going to have about, you know, 40 minutes before he needs to take his next snap. Yeah. And you know I, I, mean? I, don't know if, I don't know if you saw the post game. He, he seemed kind of perked up. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, he yeah. was. I, I said they, they had to inject him with something or like. I mean, he he looked like nothing happened. He looked like he had yeah. a new leg in the second half, which is crazy. But uh, look, whatever you got to do, as just as much as the Chiefs, you know, might have you know stuck him with something, the Eagles might have stuck their guy with something if if they got hurt too. I think it goes yeah. both ways, you know. So, how were they not prepared for the conditions of the field? That was bad. That's a bad look. There's see, this is the thing with the NFL. Like, there's always like it's always so good, and there's always like one little thing that goes like wrong. It's like how do you not like worry about that then? Or like, how do you not like, how does, how is that, you know, T not crossed or that I not dotted, you know? Yeah. And that's one of them. It's like, the, I saw the article, I'm sure you've seen it about like the preparation and like the guy's like an 80 year old man who runs like the, the, I don't even know, a farm, I guess that grows the grass for the field. And he's like devoted his whole life to this type of grass. And like the players all said it was like playing on ice skates. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was the only thing I'll say is like I don't I, I'm not a big uh, I don't believe in like complaining about conditions because it's not it's not a one sided thing. Although no, I agree. It, it is but, as the NFL, it's terrible. Right. But like I, I agree with you. But could you imagine it comes down to like a chip shot to win the game and your your kicker slips? Yeah. We saw a kicker slip on um, one of the ensuing kickoffs. Well, how about this? Uh, that's how I'm going to rebuttal that. I, I was listening to I forget what it was this morning that said. Maybe if that field's not slippery and maybe if they can get some good footing, Bradbury doesn't have to hold Juju on that last play. Right. You know what I mean? So, like you just said, it it, it would suck to come down to one play or one instance where the grass came into play. Very possibly might have. I I think I don't understand the, all the outrage around the call. To me, it's just yeah. it, it, it was a hold, right? And if they held the flag, I wouldn't have complained either. And I don't think it would have been a big deal. I don't think people would, you know, Patrick Mahomes was yelling, calling it out, but I think they move on right to the next play. Um, listen, it was a hold. I, I just, I don't understand the, uh, th- there's a lot of complaining. Yeah, I thought, 
I guess the complaint, and I, I kind of see it, is in this in the fact that like you're really going to determine a Super Bowl on that, like kind of point blank. Although I do agree with you, I think that even if that doesn't get called and maybe it's just like an incomplete pass or whatever, the Chiefs probably still win. I think it was only like third down anyway. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't like a, the that wasn't for the the game directly there to be. I guess you know Captain Literal, but uh, I I still think the Chiefs probably win that game. But hey, look, if I'm an Eagles fan, I think um I think I'm pissed to be honest about about the fact that that's how my season ends against that well, team. Would you agree with this? Because this is kind of the side that I hear people taking is. Well, there's holding on every play in the NFL, and it's just a matter. Of, so, why would you call it right there? Like, there, I guess there is, but not to that degree. Like, that was a true hold. That I think that's a weak take. I think when people say like, "Oh, there's a flag on every play," I think that's just a weak take in general. I, I don't. I don't. I also just don't agree with it. I, I think that a lot of times, like the by definition, what people call a holding is not happening on every play. Do people get their hands on each other every play? And can you freeze frame it and make it look like it might be a hold? Sure, but by the the you know the law of the land, not ever not just because you get your hand on someone doesn't mean it's pass interference. It doesn't mean it's illegal contact. Like there's right. we, people don't realize that kind of within five yards, the corners are almost fair game to kind of mug their wide receivers. So a lot of yeah. a lot of people, and like I said, I'll revert this back to what I said in the beginning. The Super Bowl brings back brings out like a lot of novice to not so much fans, and with that comes novice, not so educated football takes, in my opinion. So a lot of yep. times when you hear like, you know, Joe Schmo on the radio who, yeah, they'll talk about the Super Bowl because it's a Super Bowl, but they wouldn't know, you know, the color of a football if they hit him in the face. Right. So that's that's where I stand on stuff like that. But um, I, look, I'm happy for the Chiefs. I think we're I, I think it's if there were any doubters of this Chiefs dynasty, I think they have to be silenced now. This is a dynasty for sure. And they are I said the Eagles are expected to defend the NFC next year. I think the the Chiefs are expected to defend the AFC for the next five, the foreseeable future at the least. We'll see. I mean, the AFC is good. It, AFC is good, but like they they have not only the arguably the best tight end ever. You can make the argument they have the most talented quarterback ever. And uh, I said this. I you know this might be a controversial statement for you, and I think I presented it to you previously. But this immediately puts Mahomes over Aaron Rodgers in my eyes already. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, that's just, I, mean, listen, I mean, if he retired today. Well, that that's the only thing. I, I can't argue against longevity because it's just time's just a natural thing. But today he has done quite literally more impressive things in the NFL than Aaron Rodgers has as, as a whole. I, I guess Aside so. Aside from longevity and compiling. And I, I'm not going to accuse Aaron Rodgers of being a stat compiler. But right. you, I'm saying he, he ha- does compile stats as the years go on. That yeah. make him look obviously way more impressive. Yeah, um, it's it's funny that we go from like with Andy Reid, we went from just oh could never win the big game to like well he's not going to lose another Super Bowl yeah, here, and and he's an absolute masterclass coaching. Yeah, yeah uh, Matt, everything play creator. Yeah, no, he, he's I think uh, I think it was Rex Ryan said this. He's the best red zone uh, play caller in, in NFL history. Yeah, this I mean, is why I'm not we have gonna... to stop the Brady and Belichick thing. Because, like, what I just mentioned, what we always saw Andy Reid as compared to now with Patrick Mahomes, and no one's no one's taking anything away from Andy Reid. Yeah, it's just it. I think I never I never liked that either. With the you know, is it Belichick or Brady? Like to me, it's it's kind of like a tandem. I think one doesn't exist or one doesn't excel without the other. I'm not saying that Mahomes isn't talented, and not saying that Andy Reid is just riding on the coattails of Patrick Mahomes. 
But I think that they both complement each other, and I think that's totally fair to assess that as in many situations. Give me, give me your take on Nick Sirianni, just as a guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> definitely like a little out there, like just like a little like strange of a person, but a hell of a football coach. I'll tell you that. Sure. Like he, like he's he's not. I don't think he got lucky to get here. I think he really, really knows what he's doing. No, and is running I, a I great program. But don't but, you just think he's a dean also though? Yeah, but like you know what? Let me let me let me say this. I have the same feelings. If I was an Eagles fan, I would have the same feelings to Sirianni as I do as a Yankee fan to Garrett Cole. Like he's great and like he's our guy and like I'm gonna back him. Just a little strange, like a little weird, like a little bit yeah. you know, different than the rest of the crew, I guess you could say. But yeah. you know, is that a good comparison? Do you understand what I'm saying there? Maybe you feel that way about Pete Alonso and the Mets. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. But, but uh, I mean, the the I give him props for the. I mean, to be able to cry on command like that. Yeah. Find the camera and just start spurting tears. Yeah. Uh, that was. Uh, that, you might that, win an Emmy for that. Yeah, that was. That's going to be a meme forever. That might be the most important thing to come out of the Super Bowl. Yeah. To be quite like, honest, really, really, like, give me a break. Um, I don't know anything else you wanted to add. I, I definitely wanted to mention a little bit of baseball as pitchers and catchers reported today. No, that was a that was a great game, but I guess we'll wrap up our competition here, and we'll also post a video just just so everyone can see it. Yeah. Um. So you did come up with the win there. I think five to four final score was it? Well, well, technically the wagering. Technically, I I we were weren't we tied, and then I just got the over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. So so it was seven seven. Right. Okay. Because I guess the higher number I naturally won with the over because of right. my scoring game. So okay. So so we have a the loser had to do a giveaway here. So I have to give away um, some Yankee stuff. All right. So we'll we'll raffle it this week, and we'll have more information to come. More information to come. A lot more information came out today for the Yankees, as a matter of fact, now that we're going to transition hard transition to baseball. They're, first of all, pitchers and catchers reported today, I believe, for the entire league. If not the entire league, I think the entire league is by tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday evening at about 7 o'clock. So I think – I think the 16th is like the latest day that pitchers and catchers report around the league. But Yankees already off on the wrong foot. Frankie Montas uh, looks like he's going to be heading to surgery uh, that will out him for most likely, I'd say, 98% chance that he will not pitch in this calendar year. And it it's a, it's a bad look. You know, of all the... The Luke Voigts and the signing Rizzo and all the, you know, the, the nice maneuvers that Cashman has made... Definitely some some black marks there on that on that resume of Cashman. I think. I mean, how do you gonna how do you trade for a guy who look Frankie Montas was gonna be the game two starter. He was slotted to be the game two starter when they traded for him, and they paid as such. I think three or four prospects: Ken Waldachuk. Uh, I'm I'm the other names are are missing me, but a couple good prospects that, quite frankly, the Yankees could definitely have had a role for in on this team this year, as early as this year. Uh, so it's going to be painful to have him on the shelf for another year. Uh, you know, hopefully it, it makes him right. It makes him even better. I mean, we see stories of people getting surgeries and bouncing back, but it's just not a good, not a good look to be the, the first bit of news to come out of the Yankee camp on spring training. No. And aside from just how they handled it, um, because how long ago is it that he could have, gotten this uh, surgically repaired well i think he was like seeking opinions but i th- you know he's been hurt i believe since you know the playoffs right which is october i'll even give him november just to be you know a nice guy so yeah. november december 
uh, January, February now. You know, why didn't he get this surgery in November? So that way in October, instead of, you know, missing the entire year, he could be a benefit. He could be, you know, benefit the Yankees down the road. Uh, could be the Yankees mismanaging. I haven't really, you know, seen too, too much reporting on, you know, the ultimate decision-making process. But I, you're right. Some of this definitely does have to fall on the Yankees, uh, I guess, decision-makers for sure. Right. But even aside from that, if I'm a Yankee fan, I, I think I just feel like, well, it's not like he pitched well when he was here anyway. You know, I, I don't think I'd see it as this super mega loss. You, it's not. But, like, in a season where, you know, like we said, they get Rodon, they got Cole, Nestor showed he's a you know all star caliber pitcher. Sevy's starting the season healthy. Who had who looked all every bit of Sevy last year. You know Frankie Montas, your fifth starter. I think every team in the league is signing up for that, regardless of what he looked like at the end of last year. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. So they it wasn't they were in a good spot, and I think there's a lot of like you know just early reporting and you know Yankee accounts I see. I think this is being blown a little bit out of the water. Because again, he's he's just your fifth starter at this point. Would you? Is it? Does it suck that you traded so much for him? And you know, could those guys have contributed more so, obviously, than an injured Frankie Montas? Of course. But take it the fact of you know, cut it off at 2023 and going into the outlook of 2023 for the Yankees. All you got to do is replace your fifth starter for a year. Via could be via trade. Could be you know, uh, people are saying you know, Clark Schmidt should definitely get the opportunity. Uh, maybe, you know, a guy like Luis Hill can come back from injury. He had shown some promise in the past. It'll be interesting to see what the Yankees do and pivot here because I think their, their plans were set in stone that Frankie Montas is going to be their fifth starter. So, um, other than that, uh, the, I, and again, just the last thing I even want to say in the Yankees, because it's, again, this is just way too early to be diving this deep into Yankee Twitter and Yankee rumors, but, like just just think about the fact that Aaron Judge is someone took a picture of Aaron Judge getting you know uh, ground balls or playing first base in practice and that was totally blown out of the water and now you get a guy with arm surgery and that's totally blown out of the water. What do you think that says about you know the scape of the, the landscape of MLB news now? It's so dry that anything is a big story. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like so anything can have you know. I kind of feel that way about a lot of early baseball reporting. Remember when like the Mets were hitting fungos to each other and there was people recording them doing like practicing their celebration. Is that ridiculous? Was yeah, it funny? We went, we went halfway uh, viral for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, was it, but was it funny? <laughs> yes, it was funny. It was a cool story, but like, did it deserve to be on the front page of, you know, the New York times? And you know, <laughs> no, it's just spring training for, practice. For anyone who doesn't remember what that was, I, it might've been two seasons ago now, but in spring training, the Mets had someone hitting fungo balls to everyone and they had to record 27 outs and then at the end of it, they celebrated as if they had won the World Series. <laughs> yeah, and they really got to use that this year, uh, just like the Yankees. Maybe the Yankees will practice that. But um, oh any any Met news? I, I saw a couple. I saw Verlander throwing, Scherzer throwing no, today. But I mean, it's nice to see pitchers and catchers. That's always like a, a nice turnaround to take this thing out of the end of the football season. There. Yeah. And you're like, All right. Well, let's get into the swing of baseball then. I'm I'm down. Yeah, and and, and honestly, it's. Uh, once like Valentine's Day passes and like that's kind of to me like I, my mental my, the way my mind works is Valentine's Day everything after Valentine's Day is when you start gearing up for baseball before I'm Valentine's, good, I'm Day, good on is, Valentine's Day I'm so good on Valentine's Day but I, I use it as a very good mental marker for my <laughs> my sports calendar um, but yeah I think both teams obviously uh, obviously with some promise 
Before we move on from baseball, I think we should do some way, way, way too early non-home team. So I'm not going to include the Yankees and be a homer. Matt will include the Mets and not be a homer. Give me your way too early World Series prediction if if you have it ready. Give me yours first. So mine is, I think I'm ripping this from, I believe it's Buster Only's, but I wholeheartedly yeah. agree. Mariners, Padres. You you just completely agree 100%. Yes. So about one of the teams? Uh, hunt, well, the only the only thing I, I would debate is I think that let me, all right, let me backtrack. I think the ALCS could easily be the Astros and the Mariners and then the NLCS could be the Padres and the Mets. But I don't want to I'm not going to root for the Astros there, so I'm just going to say all right, I'll give it to the Mariners and then I I'm not including any homers here, so I'm going to give it to the Padres. So naturally I do agree, and I think that of my permutations that I have in my head, that's a very, very likely one. I love what the Mariners did getting uh, Teoscar Hernandez. They hit signed Luis Castillo long-term. Julio Rodriguez, they were already a great team last year. I am like, I don't believe in having like side teams to root for at all, but I lo- I would, I'm going to turn on maybe 75% of Mariners games this year because they're, I'm just going to be – it's an exciting team to watch. Um, and then for the Padres – I think you're going to see them down the line. They're going to get Tatis back eventually. They're going to get Soto back. Uh, they, along with you know Machado there and everyone else they got, they're a, they're. A, I I think they win the NL, and I think they're the best team in the NL. All right, give me um Pirates Athletics. <laughs> um, no, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take Atlanta. I think for a team that was already right there to have improved to the degree that they did, uh, they're really scary. This this division is just going to be. I mean. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know what? Just give me Houston again. They're that's what they are. They're a easy dynasty. money. They, they go to the World Series. That's what they do. All right, cool. So you're 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 okay with me uh, making a little post on the Instagram of our? You're gonna you're okay to back that up on, a, on an Instagram post, like a you non like- a non contenders uh, World Series prediction. I mean, a non Homer World Series prediction. Yeah, Mets fans can cry about it all they want. I don't care. Well, I'll, I mean, I, obviously, if I'm picking the AL, I'm going to say that the Yankees will make the World Series. But I, I'm going to say our way too early non-New York World Series predictions. Is that yeah. fair? You're you're yeah, cool fair. to back that? All right. Sounds good. Uh, anything else on the baseball front? I wanted to just touch on the Knicks, and then we can get out of here. Well, we got some rules. Oh, yeah, the rules. Duh. Some big rules, as a matter of fact, and I've kind of conflicted on them. Um, pitch clock, shift restrictions, yeah. let's bigger kinda, bases. I don't really, I don't really know your opinion on each of them. So let's kind of like you present it, and then I'd actually be excited to hear our, our comparison, our comparing, um, just feeling on them all. So okay, so let's start with the pitch timer. And now I'm just reading his verbatim from the MLB's post that I sent about their new rules. So the pitch timer, and under each each rule, it tells you what they're looking to bring to the game. So, for instance, pitch timer, they're saying, will bring less waiting and more action. Uh, the way that works is pitchers will have 15 seconds to throw with the bases empty, 20 seconds with, with runners on. Any violation is an automatic ball or strike, it says. So how would it be, how would it be a strike? I don't know. Is that including like the hitter being ready? Like, what? Are, how could it be a strike? That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of wondering. I guess if the hitter's not ready, if the if the hitter's not in the box when the pitcher's ready to throw or something to that extent, uh, then 
maybe it works as a strike the other way. Is that what it's proposing? Again, I, I'm just reading straight from this. Um, uh, what do you think? I mean, just the pitch clock in general. They say it works in the minor leagues. Uh, they yeah. say it speeds up the game. But, like, uh, people – I heard Michael Kay talking today about how does is it going to affect the velocity of the pitchers. I don't think, like, that much. Like No, I don't think so. Maybe, like, a couple guys might feel, like, a little more rushed and therefore ultimately, like, I don't know, maybe their their mind is a little more scrambled or something. But, like, 15 seconds to re- recover after throwing one pitch is a lot of time. Yeah, I just think that this is the one that's going to have um, the the most difficult and maybe longest adjustment period. That's what I'll say about it. You know, uh, you know how that kind of happens every time there's a big rule change where we have to deal with players complaining about it months on end, and then you kind of just forget about it. It's like you know when there's like a social media update and everyone's like, "Oh my god, Twitter looks so dumb," whatever. But you forget that it was even updated two minutes ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like that. That's what I think it's going to be like. It might be a little strange at first. I like it. Uh, I, I believe in, in the minor league um, testing that they do. I do. I do too. And I think that the only thing I, I'll say is I think it's going to be a little cheesy because in the minor leagues, they don't really have like much stoppage time with like commercials and stuff. Sure. I think like what the MLB is just going to do and just being as shitty of a, you know, a league as the MLB is, they, they're going to take that extra time and it's not going to make the game shorter. They're just going to add like another 30 second commercial. Right. You know that's what I mean? Like that, that's that's where they're going to make their money back. Um, but it still enhances just like the viewing. Like I feel like people, especially younger people, just get turned off by just like the standing around. Yeah, there's a I mean, there's definitely a lot. Of, to me, you're you're right. And it's obviously I think we're we're going to watch baseball regardless. So we're not really the, the target of this, I guess, uh, the study, I guess, or, you know, who the the target audience, if, for a lack of a better term. But the people that I guess were were complaining about the game being too slow are going to get their uh, they're going to get much better product to watch with this than previous. However, I didn't think it was an issue, really. I really there were some like maybe a couple guys that I was like, all right, dude, throw the pitch, like come on. Yeah. But I you know, fifteen seconds even still is a lot of time. Um, just some clarification on the on the pitch clock. It says a if a pitcher is not started the motion to deliver a pitch in quotes before the expiration of a clock it'll it'll be charged with a ball if a batter delays entering the box he will be charged a strike so we we're right um about that but uh yeah i i think um ultimately i think i'm in favor but i i just don't think it's going to change too much right the other part of the uh just rules for pitchers here that i i don't see on uh on our graphic here is, and this is the one that I think I like the least, the pickoffs. So the disengaging, yeah. So you can only you can only do it twice, right? A third time would be if you don't pick the guy off, he gets a base. Yeah, I would so say the, after... only, the only reason I don't like this one is just because you kind of only have one because you're not going to do it twice because then I mean the runner just has all the leverage in the world. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think see, I almost think that. So for let me back step. So how it will be enforced? I'm reading this off ESPN right now. After a third step off, the pitcher will be charged with a balk unless at least one offensive player advances the base or an out is made on the ensuing play after the step off. So if you pick someone off, you, it kind of resets. I know, but that's hard to do. It, no, very hard to do. But I think that what it could have been better is like 
you can pick off so long as the runner is advancing his position. Like if the, like so what I'm trying to say is like those pickoffs where the guy's just standing there and you know one step off the base and the guy's just throwing over for formality, like you know that we've seen that that would get rid of. I've I've even seen before where the guy is actually foot on the base and then like he'll like put his arms up like dude. Yeah, no, well that's that's what they're trying to avoid. That yeah. that's just like a mental thing that just wastes too much time. Yeah, but I almost think like maybe pitcher like a, a better way to do this would have been like the runner establishes like, you know, his set stance at first base in a lead. And if he advances past that set stance, then he, then he can pick off without any penalty towards the, you know, the three. But if, if they're, if they're, you know, not advancing and they're just standing, you know, two steps off the base and it's the, like, I'm trying to make it an umpire's judgment sort of thing. If, if you follow. Yeah. But, uh, then unfortunately not how they're going to do it. So now after you pick off once, you can only really pick off again if you know you got him. Yeah. So I'm not really that big of a fan of that. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I just thought that no. may- maybe they should have, like, uh, I don't know. I thought there was there there were better ways to really enforce it than this. Yeah, but, I mean, it'll be in the back of your mind. I feel like this only really matters for a, hand, a, a handful of players anyway. Yeah, that's, that's not going to be a uh, – and there, honestly, there's not been too many pickoffs in general at all, really. There's, like, pickoffs are kind of – like a real pickoff has kind of died off. However, yeah. another another rule that we'll go over, I guess, transition to the bigger bases. Uh, the bigger bases will go from 15 inches to 18 inches in width, which gives it about three inches closer to second base. Uh, and I will actually technically maybe six inches because if second base is bigger by three inches and first base is bigger by three inches, then they get six inches closer to the base. Right. Fundamentally. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that might warrant more pickoffs. They might see, or, you know, obviously they think it's going to, it says they want to increase safety and aggressive base running. So they want people to steal and they want there to be less incidental contact at, or I guess, incidental contact at first base with like people's heels and cleats and, you know, ankles, shins, all that stuff. Yeah. I don't have a problem with this one at all. I, this is probably my favorite one. Right. And I think and I really get like every part of it. Yeah, the only thing I worry about is that like a lot of these are offensive beneficial rules and you just you don't want it to sway in a direction that is, you know, that's too much. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. You don't want to you don't want to protect one side and not the other. I, I get that. Um, and then the the big I think the biggest one that's going to really affect the game the most, it's got to be the shift. Yeah. I mean, I just they want more hits, and they want their in middle infielders who are some, at one point were the two most. For for a lot of my life, I was always told the most athletic person in the field plays shortstop because he needs to be able to have the most range and the best arm, and he also needs to just do a little bit of everything. Yep. Now with the shift, you could have put Joe Schmo there and had he only had to cover you know a quarter of the ground that traditional shortstops need to cover. Now I think having a rangy shortstop that can cover from, you know, midway between third and second all the way to behind the second base bag is going to be a huge thing. Uh, you know, having guys that are rangy up the middle where you can't have guys, you know, the rule is you can't, you have to have two infielders on each side of second base. So what, what's really going to happen is a, a shift, quote unquote, is just going to be moving over the second baseman to the max maximum distance that they possibly can, or moving the shortstop over to the maximum distance that they possibly can. Right when they when this was first introduced, but they didn't really have all the logistics set up. We kind of went over 
the right way to do it. And I think if they, if you're gonna, I don't even want to say ban the shift. If you're going to implement shift restrictions, I think they did it the right way. I don't have an issue with this one either. It's going to be funny though, to see like, there's some players who are going to benefit from this and you're going to look at their baseball reference page and be like, why'd that guy's average go up 60 (laughs) points when he's 35 years old? Yeah. I mean, just New York alone, Anthony Rizzo just is going to be one of the biggest beneficiaries of this. I think he's, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't like hit almost like 260, 270 this year, just simply based on the shift and not being able to have, you know, eight of the nine guys, you know, huddled, huddled up behind second base. Yep. So uh, that'll be fun to see for Yankee fans. Um, and, and honestly, I think that this is, this is what I'll say about the, all the rules as a whole, as like a collective, as this is the first time in a long time that the MLB has done something that is really listening to what people are saying. It's for, yes. for a long time. It's kind of been like sit down, shut up and watch baseball. Now it's almost like this is a culmination of what people have been complaining for complaining about for years. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's, it reached a tipping point. I think it really did with like, like you said, those times where pitchers are picking off and they're throwing over and the guy's throwing his arms up in the air. He's still on first base. Yeah. It was just, it got ridiculous. It, it became very, very unwatchable. And you know, you, I, as a sports organization, Obviously, you don't want your sport to be unwatchable. So, yep. uh, good move there, I think, for the majority. Just very, very progressive thought there by the MLB. Um, I don't know anything else you want to add. Any, any other no, stances? I, on I mean, this? Uh, no. I mean, this one's not a, a new rule, but you know, we learned that the runner on second base is here to stay. I hate I that. Think, okay, th- then let's talk about them because I've I've been saying I've kind of warmed up to it and it doesn't really bother me anymore. Listen, do I wish they started it in the twelfth inning? Sure, as long as it's not affecting a postseason game. You know, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Uh, it bothers me because, to be honest, if like if your focus of when making rules is speeding up the game, right? Like, so all these rules, like uh, the pitch clock pickoffs, uh, the, the batter having to step in the box or having to keep one foot in the box, blah, blah, blah. If you're going to do all of that, I don't think you need to have to, to worry about, you know, the end of the game where it's the most intriguing, let the game play out and then let everything else make up that time. I, you know, to me, it's almost like when I see like the, you know, the, the extra runner rule, it's almost like, it would be like saying, all right, in the NBA, right? Like it'd be, it'd be like saying, all right, only uh, the, the defense can only have three guys on defense for, for overtime in the NBA. Well, that's what hockey does. I'm, I'm, I, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, well, hockey's three on three. But I'm saying, like, I feel like you're giving so much of an advantage to the offense by putting a guy in second that it's it's like almost like it kind of counterintuitive where it's, I don't know. I'm not a fan at all. I get, but I, I don't know that this rule is is really, like, a speed up the game rule. I feel like this is like, let's avoid all those 18 inning games kind of rule. Yeah. But the, but the 18 inning games are, whereas they might've been four hours prior. Now it's, I, I think the rule, I th- I think the rule does definitely have to do with speeding up the game. I don't think there's a way to avoid this without speeding up the game. To be honest, I think, sure. I, I think that they want, they, they want to avoid those by giving the offense the best opportunity. And I don't agree with that. That's fair. Listen, no, I, I would, if you asked me if I could pass it or ban it, I would ban it. But I, I just, you know, I, I'm at the point now where it is what it is. Well, well, what also what I don't like is if they're going to do something right where they're going to, now they're going to say, yeah, it's back for the regular season. Make it through the whole year, including the postseason. Either way, 
whether it is because right now the way it is, they're doing an extra runner during the regular season, and in the postseason, there's no there's no ghost runner. Yeah, which is so ridiculous to me. If you're gonna do something, make no, it a rule. I, I, th- I think you can't you can't do that. In the but post-season. that's what I'm saying. So all right, so then all right, fine. So let let me circle this back to our Super Bowl talk. We spoke. We we said that you can't make that call at the end of the game there. So now the playoffs are a different game in the MLB than the than the beginning of the season. Just like yeah. in the NFL, how the end of the game should be ref different than the beginning of the game. Yeah, especially when there's 162 of them. I mean, sometimes I, I there's disagree. games where they just decide, oh, we don't have to play that one. Like that's how minimally important they you, are. You want to you want to hear how how I feel about that? I how strongly I am against the ghost runner. I would rather the MLB institute ties more than having a ghost runner. Really? Yeah. Get to 12 innings after 12 innings if you're tied. So what? We'll see you guys later on the season. And to me, in a 162-game season, I think it makes a lot of sense to incorporate some ties, to be honest. I think it saves a lot of – you set a max of 12, 12 innings. Again, in the postseason, you play it out, right? Just like in football, you can play it after, I think it's, what, two overtimes in football. It becomes a tie. Every A lot of other sports do it. Why not? Why can't the MLB? I think the MLB is one of the few that doesn't have ties. Okay, sure. Well, then, but why would you be get like a second ago? I just said, well, what if they just wanted to implement the runner after the twelfth inning and All then right, let's so, just knock this game out? So that I would I would agree, but then like at that point, it gets like a little like one off situation. Like, how many twelve inning games really are there? One a week? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that. That's to me. It's just like it's just bending the rules too much. Whereas I'd rather if they really want to are really concerned about like. I guess longevity and health of players and even pace of play as a kind of a secondary thing, just roll the tie, right? Like maybe I think if you implement ties too, you find some times where, you know, guys are, they might change up their strategy in the bottom of the 12th inning. You know, they, you might see like, you might see teams with like saving their closer. If you're, you know, for instance, if you're the, uh, if you're the Yankees, right. And you're, you're playing, you're in like a one, one game let's just say, in the ninth inning, into the bottom of the ninth, and you haven't used your closer yet, you kind of have incentive to save him to the 12th, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? To kind of shut the door and make sure that you don't lose that game. I think it's just another layer of strategy that definitely could be used. Yeah, no, that's fair. I get so uh, that, that's all I really have to say about those MLB rules. Um, just want definitely wanted to hit on some, uh, some Knicks and NBA before we get going here, but... Um, Jalen Brunson playing his absolute out of his mind right yeah, now. He's averaging thirty over his last twenty. Yeah, and he he's putting up numbers that are very very comparable to I think I saw uh, like Jason Tatum last year. Uh, he's his numbers are are up there with anyone, and I think that uh, the, this new Jalen Brown injury actually could very possibly open up a spot with for him to be a reserve in the All Star game, which would be very very cool. Um, as far as the Knicks are concerned, I was at the game the other night. Uh, Jalen Brunson dropped 40. Josh Hart comes in, starts hitting threes from the corner, yep. running threes, playing great defense, grabbing boards. And it just lends me to the question, is he going to eventually take time from R.J. Barrett, who, quite frankly, not only hasn't progressed, but I've even, I will even say has regressed in the last couple weeks. Yeah. And, and, you know, I could see very well, I think the the very, like, silent whispers around the Knicks right now is, this Josh Hart guy is a lot better than we thought he was. Like he's yeah. going to fit this team a lot better than I think anyone could have envisioned. And I think it's only a matter of time before you know the Knicks see themselves in this open East now with no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving in their way. 
and really a kind of an open East outside of the Celtics and the Bucks. I guess you want to throw the Sixers in there. There's three, eight have to get in. That leaves five spots. And if you want to be in a win now mode, that you can make the argument that Josh Hart makes the Knicks much more of a win now, con- you know, viable contender, quote unquote, than RJ Barrett does. Yeah, I don't want to keep dwelling on the trade that never was because we talk about it all the time. But if we get to a point where like RJ's minutes are cut, like it's just going to leave such a bad taste in your mouth that you didn't get it done. Yeah, no, it's it's you're you're 100 percent right. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's very disappointing just even having to think about the fact that, uh, you know, we what we could have had. It's just yeah. like I don't even like to think about it. But I'll say this, too, like. I'm I'm rooting for RJ still. Like I'm not rooting for his failure. I still think that RJ Barrett is a good basketball player and has a spot on this team and in, of course in the league. But I just think, you know, I got to start seeing it. Mm-hmm. I can't just keep hearing about, you know, he was he was just he was right up there with Zion at a high school. Cool. Went to Duke. Cool. Uh, you know, was the third overall pick. Cool. Like and it gets to a point where all that kind of gets washed out and you're just another guy in the NBA. Mhm. So, and I think that's the part, that's the part where RJ Barrett is right now. And it's, uh, it's going to be, see what huge second half for not only the Knicks, obviously, but, uh, following the all-star break, it's a huge second half for RJ Barrett and his future with his team. I really think that. Yeah. Tonight's so, a, tonight's a pretty solid night in the NBA. Yeah. I was going to say seven good games here, seven twenty-seven. uh, better, better get off here, sign off, watching basketball for the rest of the night. Uh, talking about Knicks and the Hawks, always a, f- a fiery matchup. Uh, and then uh, the newest member of the Dallas Mavericks heading up was it, they're playing the Nuggets, correct? Yep. And then the nightcap on ESPN, I believe, is the Pelicans, obviously without Zion Williamson, uh, against the Lakers, the new look Lakers uh, mm-hmm. without LeBron James. I think LeBron's still out, um, but still Anthony Davis and that squad should should be a good game there as well. So a lot of good yeah, NBA to watch. You got some Jazz Grizzlies, some Cleveland yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah, there. I, I was watching last night. Would, ended up not being like the greatest game, but a very fun basketball game was uh, King Suns. I was watching. No KD yet. I think KD's yeah. gonna return after the All Star break. But uh, is Devin he that Booker, close? Is that a for sure? Like just around right after the All Star game, he, he's set to I come think. Back? I think you know that's that's the that's everything I've got. I've understood that uh, for the longest time it's been you know he was hoping to come back before the All Star break. He kind of realized the minor set, but I never pictured him coming back before the All-Star break anyway, just the way, you know, they handle stars in this league now. But uh, he'll be back within, I'd say, within a week of the All-Star break being over, I guess. Yeah. So uh, that'll be must-watch TV. Uh, look, one thing about the NBA, I guess this is how it'll close. You can find a good game on almost every night. Yep. Like, some star against some star, and I think that – Again, to kind of wrap this up full circle, that's one thing that the MLB doesn't do that the NBA does very well. And not only just their schedule making, but their advertising of of big games. They're making sure that every night there's someone who's must watch playing as someone else who's must watch. And like tonight, the most casual NBA fan can have a great game watching Jokic play against Luka and, and Kyrie. I can't believe that's not nationally televised because yeah. the LeBronless Lakers have to ugh, give me a break. Well, to be honest, from a viewer perspective, I bet that game still gets more viewers without LeBron. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Way. Just like that's going true. against each other. This is just the Lakers. So, um, yep, that's all all I had to say today. Kind of an off the cup cusp kind of kind of episode here. Kind of hit wanted to hit on a little bit of everything. So, uh, as always, thank you for listening. 
Uh, we're probably going to do start doing like one episode a week uh, until baseball really ramps up a little bit more, unless there's some some huge news for us to cover. But uh, yep, as always, thank you for listening. Make sure to follow us on all our socials and peace out.